Good morning, everyone, and those watching online as well. Great to have you with us, whether you're, as they say, rooming or zooming or whichever way you want to connect with us. We are glad that you could be uh, with us to worship the Lord together and to hear the word of God. Uh, let me just say a word of prayer as we look into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity and time you give to us to seek you and to see you, Lord, through your word. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. We commit this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been going through this series about growth, and we're coming close to an end. Next week, we'll be finishing up this series. Um, and today, I would like to look at another aspect about growth or growing, and that's about generosity or generous living. And that's why I've titled the message, Growing Through Generous Living. Now, I want to tell you a story about a, a, a caterpillar and a butterfly. This caterpillar and butterfly, you know, they knew each other years and years ago, but they didn't see each other for a long time. And so the caterpillar calls up the butterfly and says, hey, do you want to grab a coffee together? And they're like, and the butterfly, sure, I'll meet you at Tim's. So they're on their way. Of course, the butterfly gets there first because he flies in. Caterpillar taking his own cool time and getting there, and he crawls up. He gets up to the table where the butterfly is, and he stares at the butterfly and says, you've changed from when they knew him before. And the butterfly responds, according to this, oh, let me turn my clicker on here, we're supposed to, right? And that's what this whole series on growth is all about, is that God doesn't want us to say the same, but he wants us to change. God wants us to grow. We can't stay as the caterpillar, but we need to be changed and morphed and transformed into the beautiful butterfly, right? So uh, ask yourself the question today, am I still a caterpillar or am I on my way to becoming uh, a butterfly? Now, when you hear the topic of generosity, sometimes we, like, we think right away about money. Uh, now, that's important and that affects every area of our life, but what I'd like to really talk to you about is the heart issue, uh, is, is an attitude, is a spirit of generosity, right? And that's why we, we wanna look at this morning really about the heart. So let's look at a few different things about generosity. The first thing is that generous living is rooted in the character of God, okay? Generous living is rooted in the character of God. We talk about growth, we need to remember that we're growing into someone. We're growing into an example. We're growing into the example that God has left for us, the example that Jesus has left for us. So growth is not just growing, but we are growing in Christ-likeness. We're growing in Jesus, right? And God's character is one of extreme generosity. If you look in John 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. This is God's nature. This is God's character, this is who God is. God is a generous God that gives and gives and gives some more. Paul says in Romans chapter eight and in verse 32 he says, if God gave us his son Jesus Christ, like the best and most wonderful thing that he could give to us, if he gave us Jesus, how much more will he freely give us? All things, everything, he's not gonna hold anything back from us. We read this verse uh, this morning in 2 Corinthians uh, 8 verse 9 that Julia read. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you could be made rich. Speaking about how Jesus left his throne of glory, his power, his wealth in, in, in heaven and came down and took upon himself the form of a human being to die on the cross, to become poor so that we might be rich in salvation. Paul in this passage that was read this morning, he was encouraging the church in Corinth regarding giving, right? But he wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about their whole lives. He was talking about an attitude of giving, a spirit of giving, right? And that's why he says here in verse five of the same chapter, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So when he's talking about giving, when he's talking about generosity, he's saying give yourself first to 
the Lord, because Jesus gave himself to us. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now our response is, our first step is, we give ourselves to to God. It's an aspect of generosity. The Lord, he loves to give. He loves to be generous. When when you hear the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? Uh, you can find that story in the Gospels. And the disciples were told by Jesus, go and find food to feed all of these people. And they were dumbfounded. They said, how are we going to buy enough food to feed all of these people, right? And they even told Jesus, send the, send the people away to the villages and places like that. Let them find food for themselves. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You give them something to eat. Because Jesus' love for people was one of generosity. And he performed a miracle and fed all of those people. Why? because of his heart, because of who he is, because of his nature and his character to be generous. Don't send them away to buy something. I'll give them something to eat. See, the, the, generosity is rooted in the very heart and nature and character of God. But it wasn't just for the 5,000 that he was feeding that he wanted to teach a lesson but it was actually so that he could be an example to the disciples. Because when the disciples saw what Jesus did, it was a reflection of who Jesus was. And as they spent time with Jesus, they got to know who Jesus was. They got to know his nature and his character. And I wanna encourage you today as well to know Jesus and know his heart of generosity. Know who he is. Know his, uh, his, his heart to just give and give and give. When I think of generosity, one person that comes to my mind uh, who's such a, a generous person and, and considering that we're coming up to Hampers of Hope, I wanted you to hear from her as well, and that's Nancy Wilson. Nancy is such a generous person. And for years, decades really, Nancy has been leading our Master's Pantry effort and our Hampers of Hope uh, effort as we're coming into this season. And I asked Nancy, Nancy, are there any stories of generosity where God grew you and God challenged you in your generosity? And she told me she has tons of stories. But I want to give you, I want to sh uh, show you two stories, and I'm going to split them up. I'm going to show you this first story, and this is a story about Nancy and her red dishes. So hear from her directly about this. The first story I have to tell I like to call red dishes. One day, uh, years ago, when my late husband, John, and I led the pantry, I, as we were leaving our house, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Take a set of dishes. You have to take one and take the red ones. Didn't know why, but I took them. When we got to pantry, we set about as the clients were coming through, we heard a, a lady squeal in excitement. She said she was a new believer. And she said, I have been praying for dishes. I needed dishes. And I said, God, if it's okay with you, I would like red dishes. Wow, that spoke to me in volumes. First, God cares and hears our simple heartfelt prayers. He cares about every detail of our lives, even the color of somebody's dishes. Secondly, I need to be attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit because God used me that day to answer someone else's prayer. 
So I need to always listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, even when, to me, it doesn't make sense. Isn't that a wonderful story? Nancy, in her nature and in who she is, and for those of you who know Nancy, she is a generous person. And so when God spoke to her to do this, it was the natural result because of her generosity. And in the same way, this is who Jesus is. He, his nature, his character is generosity. And so he gives because that is who he is, right? And Nancy was challenged by that. And in our, as we are generous to others, God will challenge us to be obedient, to listen to his voice, to respond when he prompts us. So I wanna encourage you today, grow in your generosity, and as you obey the Lord and obey the Holy Spirit, he'll continue to speak to you. He'll continue to prompt you in, in various ways. The second thing is that we need to grow in joy and grow in generous living. My question to you is, what is your outlook? See, one critical aspect about generosity or generous living is joy. God doesn't want a grumpy giver, right? God doesn't want someone who's gonna be moaning and complain, oh, I gotta give this, oh, I gotta give. God doesn't want that, right? God doesn't want a sad giver, but he wants joy in generosity, right? In 2 Corinthians 8, verses one and two, it says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia, that they are being tested by many troubles. They're going through a hard time, okay? And they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Can you see from here, th this group of people here, they were going through some hard times. They were going to trials and troubles, and not only that, they were poor on top of that. But because of the joy that they had, the joy of the Lord, the joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of walking with the Lord, the joy of salvation, the joy of knowing that their lives are drastically and, 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 uh, and uh, have been transformed because of Jesus, there's overflowing joy in their lives. So my question to you is, what is your outlook? We, we could be going through really hard trials and difficulties. We could be poor, like these people were. But yet, their overflowing joy overflowed into what? Rich generosity. And that's the key in generous living whether it's monetarily, whether it's in actions, whether it's in service, whether it's in time, all of these things are important. That's why I'm calling this not just giving, but generous living in what we actually do, the, the heart of generous living, right? When we're looking at all of these things, God wants it to be rooted in joy, right? Especially going, uh, given the pandemic that we're living through and all the difficulties that we're going through right now, we can maybe tend to have an outlook of life that's very pessimistic or very negative, right? Because of the situation and, and, and the pandemic that we're living through, we can look at this and always see the negative, always see the problem, always see the difficulty, always see what's wrong, always see what's happening that's not really what we want. But instead of seeing the cup sort of half empty, Let's see the cup half full, right? Let's have joy in generosity. In, in verse 12, Paul says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly, right? An eager giving is a joyful giving, but a stingy giving is always, oh, maybe next week, maybe the week after, oh, maybe another time, maybe, you know? But if we're eager to give, then there's joy in that giving. Eager giving is a reflection of our heart attitude. Our generosity is a result of our joy. Our joy is a result of what God has done for us. What has God done for you? How has God touched your life? How has God changed you? How has God transformed you? How has God done something wonderful and great in your life so that you're not the same today than you were before? And because of that, there's an overflowing joy that abounds in rich generosity. Look at the contrast. Uh, well, let me just read this verse here first. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 and 7 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, right? So the next time you give, make sure there's a smile on your face, right? Next time you give, let there be an excitement towards, I'm I'm excited about what God's going to do with this. The next time you serve, the next time you give of your time, the next time you give of your talents, the next time you give uh, of of your heart, do it eagerly. Do it with excitement. Do it with joy. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Look at the contrast here. I want to tell you two stories. Look at the contrast. One, there's a story that, that Jesus tells. Uh, it's not a story, a, 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 an incident that happened in the Gospels when a, a young rich man came to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And to make a long story short, at the end, Jesus told him, give away your riches, give it you know, to the poor and come and follow me. The Bible says that that young man walked away sad because of his many riches. He couldn't do what Jesus was asking of him, and so he walked away sad. Contrast that to the story of a man named Zacchaeus who was a tax collector, and he was cheating people, defrauding people, trying as much as he could to get as much money as he could until one day Jesus met him, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And when Jesus met Zacchaeus and touched his life and transformed him and changed him, his life could never be the same. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was so joyful that he said, I'm going to give away half my goods to the poor, and if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to give them back fourfold. The joy of salvation in Zacchaeus' life overflowed to rich generosity. See, these pe- both these people, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, they, they had a lot of money and they loved money. But the difference was Zacchaeus responded to Jesus and his life was changed and transformed radically. And in that joy of salvation overflowed rich generosity. And that's what needs to happen to us as well. Remember what Jesus has done for us. Think of the goodness of God, God's provision, God's blessings, uh, the things that God has done for us that we wouldn't have even thought of or imagined. Look back and see the victories. Look back and see the provisions. Look back and see the goodness of God and let it overflow in joy and rich generosity towards others. Uh, I'm going to ask Naomi to come. Naomi is one of our young adults. Naomi, why don't you join me on stage here? Naomi is a very generous person. And so I asked her to tell a couple of her stories of how God has challenged her and how God has worked in her life uh, towards uh, generosity and towards giving. Uh, today is, this week is actually National Collection Week for Operation Christmas Child uh, shoeboxes. And maybe some of you have packed shoeboxes or given towards uh, shoeboxes. Um, and Naomi, uh, she heads that up actually here. So Naomi, how did you first get involved with that? So um, truth be told, I was kind of voluntold into the position. So I had just started attending church at the time, Sunday mornings, and the ladies who used to run Operation Christmas Child were retiring that Sunday, and so they were given flowers that morning. And they had been serving since 1993, so they had been serving for 23 years at that time. And here I am sitting in the very last row in the church and thinking to myself, wow, they've been serving as long as I've been alive. Um, So I sent an email uh, asking for more information to learn more about the ministry. And the next Sunday morning, the pastor went up to the front of the church and during announcements said that we have a new volunteer to head up the ministry of Operation Christmas Child going forward. And you can imagine, sitting in the back row, I truly sunk into my seat because I had not signed up for this, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Then I learned that my position is not just of a project leader for the church, but rather a logistics coordinator for the entire city of Markham. So as a logistics coordinator, my job would be to ensure that all the churches in the surrounding area brought their shoeboxes to me, and I had the responsibility to count them and put them in cartons and truck them off to the processing center. 
Truly, my entire job involves putting boxes into more boxes and boxes into more boxes. Right here, Naomi. Like that. <laughs> um, those boxes stacked up on top of each other are six feet high. So, and that truck is the longest truck that you can get. So that gives you an Im some, imagine what, how many boxes that are. Um, so I was feeling honestly quite discouraged in the beginning, finding myself leading this ministry at 23 years old, brand new to church, not knowing what I'm doing. In fact, one day I was complaining about it to a friend. And as she listened to me speak, she stopped me in my tracks and she just said, what's the organization called again? Then she told me she received a shoebox gift as a child. My friend was caught in the middle of a war zone as a child and actually had to flee her home country to the next country for safety. There she received a shoebox. She sh told me that in her shoebox was a pack of 64 crayons. In a world full of war where buildings were in rubble, all the images she saw were gray. Everything was covered in gray dust, and those 64 crayons brought color and joy into her life as a child that otherwise was gray. It's incredible that God chose that person for me to be complaining to that day. Um, and as a preschool teacher, her story really resonated with me. It was God's way of showing me how important this ministry is and how precious these gifts are to the children who receive them. Yeah, that's amazing. You can have a couple more pictures here. This is Naomi trying to close the doors here. <laughs> and that's the truck. So maybe you've packed a shoebox. It goes into that, that truck on its way to wherever it is. And maybe you're thinking about things that you can do to be generous. This is, this is one way. But Naomi, let me ask you, how has uh, this experience of serving through Operation Christmas Child challenged you or grown you in your own generosity? Yeah, to be honest, it's been a process over time. Um, in the beginning, I was not very excited about putting boxes into more boxes year after year. Um, but year after year leading this ministry, I've met people who have been on the receiving end of the ministry, received a shoebox gift as a child. And then those very same people would come alongside me to volunteer and would come alongside me to pack shoeboxes. And I saw the ministry come full circle. And I was so affected by this that I started hosting packing parties where I'd ask everyone to bring items to pack into shoeboxes. Over the last couple of years, I've started collecting items myself through the course of the year with the hopes and in faith that we'll have another packing party this year. And over the past couple of years, I've been able to do four packing parties with the most recent one being just this past Wednesday with the youth. And each year I've done it with a different youth group or a young adult group with the hopes that they will continue doing it for years going forward. Um, so yeah, this Wednesday we planned and hoped to pack 25 shoe boxes, but with your help and generosity, we were able to pack 70 shoe boxes this past Wednesday. Wow, that's awesome. So Naomi, as God challenged you, it became sort of like a contagious generosity because now you are challenging other people as you hosted these packing parties so that they also could think about how can they make an impact in terms of generosity. Absolutely. And so for our, for our youth, if, actually, if you, wanna, if you wanna help out, because we packed way more shoeboxes than what we originally thought, uh, there's a $10 sort of shipping fee for each of the shoeboxes, and so we're short about $550. If anybody would like to tag along and be part of this generous effort, please see Naomi or myself or Pastor Will, and we can show you where you can give to that and be part of sending these shoeboxes from our, from our youth uh, to people in need. Yeah. Naomi, uh, on a different note, how has God challenged you personally in terms of giving and generosity in your own personal life, aside from Operation Christmas Child? <laughs> Um, personally, I've been challenged by the amount of comfort I've grown up with and how little children around the world have. A guest speaker from Compassion came to visit my college campus at Humber College. So Compassion is a child sponsorship ministry that seeks to develop children holistically in all aspects of their lives. Children receive health care, education, age-appropriate Christian teaching at a local church, and personal care and attention. The speaker from Compassion that day was younger than me. And she shared so passionately. I was struck by the simple truth she had to say. She said that as students, being a student herself, we often complain we have no money. Um, 
And then she said, but how many of us have no problem going to Starbucks to study? So she said, if you sacrifice a visit to Starbucks once a week, the money you'd save in four weeks, you could sponsor a child. So let's just say she spoke my language. Um, so I signed up for child sponsorship that same day. God impressed it on my heart that day, just how much I have and how much I need to grow in my giving. Thanks, Naomi. Can we get a round of applause for Naomi? That's an awesome story. Thanks, Naomi, for sharing with us. And Compassion is a great organization if you want to give to sponsor a child. They're a great organization to give through where you could see uh, how a life can be changed and transformed uh, by our generosity. Um, continuing on, number three, generous living is a holistic part of our faith. See, generous living, giving, it's not just something on the side. It's not just something that we do and then my faith and trust in God and all of those things are separate. As you've heard from, from Nancy and even from Naomi, these things are integrated, right? As we live generously, God challenges our faith. As we live generously, God grows our faith. Generous living is a holistic part of our faith and if we want our faith to grow, we need to grow in this area as well. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 6 and 7 says, So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and to encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Then Paul says here, he highlights some of the ways in which they are excelling. He says, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in knowledge, enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this generous act of giving. See, he does, he, Paul is, is very intentional here to say, hey, giving generosity and generous living is not just something over here and then everything else, all your, the gifts of the Spirit and all the fruits of the Spirit and everything else is on this side. No, they're intrinsically connected together. Generous living is part of who we are as Christians. Generous living is what sets Christians off from others as well. Generous living is part of what our faith is. It's a holistic part of our faith. Generosity touches every part of our lives. It's interwoven into our feelings, into our emotions, and into our actions. And so you can't separate one from the other, but it's connected together. You know, we're living right now in a, in a day and age of consumerism. And that's touched the church world as well, where we've become sometimes consumer Christians. What can I get, right? Well, if I come to church, what do I get out of it? Well, if I do this, what do I get out of this? And we evaluate things so much about consumerism, what do I get out of this? Which is really the total opposite aspect and character of God. Because God is not, what do I get out of it? God is, what can I give? Because for God so loved the world that he gave. And so if we're living in a, in a time and age of consumer, consumer Christianity where we're always evaluating what can I get, what can I get, right? Then we're not really living the heart of God, not really living in our, in our faith. Now, there, there are certain times, I'm not, I don't want to avoid everything. There are certain times we need to evaluate things within church and see what's good and healthy for me and what works for me. But for example, even last week, we were talking about life groups and we were talking about community, and a lot of times when we maybe look at life groups, we might ask ourselves, what can I get out of a life group? What can I, what, can, what will it benefit me? If I give up my time one evening, and one night a week, if I give up my time and my energy and, you know, all of those things, if I give up all that, you know, one night a week, what am I going to get out of this? Can I switch the question around and ask you, if you join a life group, what can you give into it? How can your life, your testimony, your experience, how God has led you bless others? Can we have, instead of a, a consumerism a a attitude of what can I get out of this, can we flip the script and say, well, God's heart is to give, so what can, how can I live generously so I can be a blessing to my life group or be a blessing to the community around me? If I join a group, what can I give to that group that maybe I can be a blessing to somebody else going through a hard time? Maybe we might just sit back and relax and say, ah, I don't need a life group. I've been in church for 20 years. I've done this and I, oh, can I flip the script on you? And say, well, God's heart is to give. So can you live generously by joining a life group? Now, that's just one example, but you can do that in so many other things, right? How do we live generously to live out the gospel to show that it's an intrinsic part of our faith? 
And that it's not so much of every time we do something or think about something or evaluate something, let's not always evaluate as what can I get out of it. But what can I give into it? How can my story be a blessing? Now, when you talk about giving and generosity, a lot of people don't like to, you know, talk about themselves, and I'm really appreciative of Naomi and Nancy coming and telling their stories because it's, it's, you know, we don't like to talk about ourselves. But part of it is also, what can I give to encourage others? What can I do so that others can be challenged as well? So let me leave that with you. Generous living is a holistic part of our faith. How do we do that in all aspects of our life? Number four, generous living is a reflection of our growth in the gospel. As we continue to grow in our faith, as we continue to grow in the gospel, we'll grow in generosity. And as our generosity grows, our faith will also grow as we see God working in our life and doing amazing and wonderful things. In Ephesians 2 verse uh, 10, Paul says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, there are good works that God has foreordained for us to do. There are things that God wants us to do and live out and accomplish. Now, let me be clear here. We are not redeemed, we are not saved, we're not forgiven from our sin because of our good works. But we are redeemed, we are saved, we are forgiven from our sin so that we can in turn live generous lives and do those good works that God has called us to do, right? It's not a prerequisite but it's a result, right? It's not something that needs to be done beforehand. Become nice and holy and good and be generous and then maybe God will save you. No. It's out of his free gift and kindness and love towards us because he's a generous giving God that he gives us the free gift of salvation and eternal life. And then he says, okay, now that that's there, there needs to be, as we read in Corinthians, an overflowing rich generosity because of the joy you know, of Jesus. In James 2 and verse 18, James says, now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you, how can you show me your faith if you don't do, have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. The story that Jesus told, that's a very familiar story called the story of the Good Samaritan. It's interesting because the religious people, the, the priest and the Levite, they didn't respond in a generous way to that person that was lying on the road. But the surprising maturity was shown and displayed by the, by the Samaritan who cared for that man that was on the road bleeding and dying so much so that he took him and put him on, put him on his, his own animal and brought him to an inn and even paid the bill. The surprising generosity shown by the Samaritan, that Jesus at the end says, that's loving your neighbor, go and do likewise. I'm gonna give you one more story that Nancy told about helping a master's pantry client. It's a story about a mattress and it's very encouraging, so listen to this. The uh, next experience uh, again involves uh, master's Pantry client. We had a dear lady who desperately needed a new mattress. She had a old double mattress on a queen size bed frame. And it was so old, the springs were coming through. And she had bruises on her side and her back from the springs. She asked me if I knew of anyone who had a good used mattress, I didn't. So I prayed that we'd find her a mattress. 
and the more I prayed, the more God said to me, I want you to buy her a mattress. I admit, I said, Lord, I can't do that. It's not in my budget. He kept saying, you buy her a mattress. So the next week after Master's Bandry, I took her out and we purchased a mattress. And the joy on that lady's face was just awesome. She told me afterwards she had never had a brand new mattress and nobody had ever bought her something that expensive before. That was just awesome to see how joyful and blessed she was. Two weeks later, I got a envelope in the mail from the government. Inside, it said that two years earlier, they had miscalculated my refund. There was a check in that envelope for the exact amount that I paid for the mattress. Oh my, what a lesson in faith to me. It taught me that when I am faithful and obedient and step out beyond my comfort zone, God knows the end result. He never, ever starts anything that he doesn't finish. He knew he'd provide for that cost. He just wanted me to be faithful. Isn't that wonderful? Now, it doesn't always work out that way. You're not always going to get a check in the mail, you know, if you, if you give something. That's a rarity. But it was encouraging to Nancy's faith, right? And for us as well, when God challenges us and God asks us to be obedient to him, it grows us. It grows our faith. And when we see how he blesses others and provides for others and he uses us in that type of ministry, it grows us. It helps us to trust him more and more. It helps us to put our faith in him more and more. The last thing, and I'm just gonna close with this, and if you forget everything else in the message, this is the most important point. The climax of generous living is seen in forgiving those who hurt you. The greatest act of generosity was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins in order to give us eternal life. And one of the hardest tests that we will ever face in our life will be forgiving someone who has hurt us. One of the hardest tests that we will ever face in our whole life is forgiving someone who's offended us, who's messed us up, who's damaged us, who's ruined us, who's robbed us, who has not lived up to the expectations maybe that we have. 
And I think as God grows us in generosity through physical measures and means as we give of our time, as we give of our service, as we give of our money, I really believe that God is growing us through all these other means to prepare us for this very difficult challenge of forgiving others. Because stingy people find it difficult to forgive others. Generous people, even when they are hurt, can forgive. I'll say that again. Stingy people find it difficult to forgive others. Generous people, even when they are hurt, will forgive. So, so if I can put a timeline on for you, if we're growing in our faith, we're a new Christian and God asks us to give of our time and, and, and we serve, then God asks us to give of our, our money in some way, then God asks us to do this, and then God asks us to do that. And in all of these ways that God is challenging us and God is telling us and God is speaking to us and we're responding as we heard through Nancy's testimonies, through Naomi's testimony, and we're growing our faith, we're growing our faith, we're growing our faith, we're growing our faith, we're living generously, we're living generously, we're living generously, and boom, somebody betrays us. Somebody hurts us. Somebody does evil to us. And God calls us and asks us and tells us we need to forgive. That's the challenge that God wants us to overcome. And I believe all of these other things, because they're so intrinsic to our faith, prepares us for this opportunity to forgive. So let me ask you today, is there somebody that's hurt you? Is there somebody that's offended you? Is there somebody that's done evil to you? And you're finding it hard to forgive? Then let's work on our spirit and attitude of generosity. God wants to develop and grow generosity in our lives. Not so much so that he can bless us again, although he does do that. But so that we can grow in our faith and pass this test. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive us. And how terrible will that be? So I really believe that as God challenges us in all these different avenues of generosity and generous living, as God challenges us in all these different ways and means because he's shaping our character and challenging our faith and growing us and growing our trust in him, because when it comes time to forgive someone that's hurt us, we can ask God, but Lord, how can I forgive that person when they've done so much bad stuff to me? Lord, where is justice? Lord, where, where are you fighting this battle? But that's when it comes the time to trust God in that difficulty. That's the time that we have to put our faith in Jesus that he knows the best and he's asking us to forgive as a demonstration of his love, as a demonstration of the unity that he wants in the family of God. Amy Carmichael said, you can give without loving. And we can all do that. You can pull out our wallets and give, give, give. But you can't love without giving. And I think one of the greatest things, the, the greatest demonstration of generosity was Jesus on the cross. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He demonstrated love and generosity and accepting each and every one of us into his family, even though we've failed and we've sinned and we've hurt him and others. True love by giving and forgiving. Grow in love, grow in faith by giving and forgiving. If you look at the example of Joseph, we did a, a study on Joseph some time ago Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. The people that should have taken care of him did harm to him, hurt him. But years and years later, when his brothers came to Egypt and Joseph was governor over the whole land, what does Joseph say to his brothers? Because Joseph had a generous heart. He always was trying to help others, whether it was the butler and baker in the prison, or whether it was Potiphar and trying to do well in his house, 
Joseph always had a heart of generosity. And so when his brothers came to him, these brothers who had heard him, these brothers who had, had uh, sold him into slavery, these brothers who couldn't care less if he was killed, even in the process, he told them, you can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me, with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything you own. Look at what he says here. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household and all your animals will starve. Can you see the generous act of Joseph to care for people who had betrayed him, who had sold him into slavery, who could care less if he had died? They were actually disappointed that he was still alive. But that's the heart of God. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in extravagant generosity, in extravagant living, to give us an opportunity to know him and grow in his character, to grow in his likeness. How will we respond today? The Lord is challenging us, and the musicians and singers can come. The Lord is challenging us from giving to forgiving. Let's offer up our lives to the Lord. Let him move and use us for his glory. God is, we're on this spectrum of growth, and that's what we've been studying all of these weeks about how we're growing. And God is challenging us in this way and in that way and in this service and in that service and in this time and in that time and with this money and with that money. But I believe all of these things are just working in us to build us up so that when we are tested, whether it's in forgiving or in something else, we'll display the generous love of God. We'll display the generous heart of God in having patience with others, in being kind to others, in forgiving others, and showing love to others. Let's grow in generosity not so that we could be blessed and not so that we can, you know, get something back or be prosperous. No. Let's grow in generosity so that we can show the love of God and the generous heart of Jesus to the whole world. God bless you. Yeah.
Do we have thankful hearts today? Are we glad and happy and rejoicing of what Jesus has done for us? And he's done so many wonderful and amazing things. And if you haven't experienced the love of Jesus today, whether you're here in person or whether you're online, we would love to be able to share that with you and pray with you and and talk with you about what Jesus can do to change and transform your life today. But let me leave you with this challenge that let's go to reflect God's love to others. Let's look at our lives and see how can that overflowing joy be represented to those around me in the way that I live through generous living and let it get to the very heart of the matter. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for what you've done for us and the example that you've set. Lord, in generous living and in leaving your throne in heaven and coming down to earth to die for us and redeeming us, saving us, transforming us and giving us eternal life. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that as a result of your goodness towards us, we would overflow in rich generosity. Lord, especially in this season, Lord, uh, where we have hampers of hope, uh, where we have uh, master's pantry, where we have uh, shoe boxes, we have so many other ways and avenues to sponsor a child or do so many different things, Lord, that we can bless our community and bless others around us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for encouraging us and helping us towards that end. Lord, we just uh, commit our lives to you now, uh, and we pray, Lord, that you'd go before us this week in all that we have to do. We rest and trust in you and in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you need prayer, you can go online, uachome.org slash pray with me, and someone will be there to to pray with you. Uh, Also in these days, we'll be making some more announcements about Hampers of Hope and how you can give and participate uh, in that, which we normally do uh, every year in December. God bless you all.